0: Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. People, and um, it's, it's really about living a shameless life. And I sense that there are people today that are living with shame living with shame and perhaps you're not even aware of it perhaps you're not aware that you live with a sense of feeling unworthy or feeling ashamed about something and as we take communion later uh, we're going to just proclaim some things over our lives but just let me just put it out there right now the lord doesn't want you to live with shame no He has greater for you. And my hope and my expectation is that as you hear this word I'm going to share with you, all forms of shame will be removed from you. All forms of shame will be removed from you. Jesus doesn't want you to live with shame. You know, people live with shame for different reasons. One, unfortunate circumstances and things have happened to them. People have abused them verbally, sexually, physically. People have stolen from them, betrayed them. In other words, you were victimized. You are a victim of injustice. And there are people who live with shame because of something that was done to them. Jesus wants to minister to you along those lines. You don't have to live with shame. You don't have to live with your head down. We live in a world that unfortunately is a fallen world. There are a lot of things in this world that is that God never intended it to be. And it's, it, it is because of the result of sin. Sin produces death. And so today we have people that are hurt through no fault of their own, people who are abused, people who are verbally abused. I'm thinking of someone that shared a story with me some time ago that really just broke my heart. He was sharing with me how when he was a young boy uh, he didn't grow up with the, he didn't grow up with his father, um, and he grew up with just you know just women around him, and um, as a result, and not not this is not the case for every person in that situation, but for him, as a result of that, he grew up with certain feminine tendencies as a young boy. I'm talking five, six, seven years old. You know, never seeing a man put a tie on, never seeing a man shave. Just, you only see makeup, you only see heels, you know, this, this is your reality. And so he kinda grew up with a little bit of a feminine edge and he was at a, a place, a party somewhere, I think it was a family gathering. And, you know, I guess he was, you know, I guess just being himself and there was someone who was annoyed at him and, and just said something so vile, I can't even repeat it, you know, but just agitated at his mannerism and said what's wrong with you you know and began to like rebuke him you know as a young boy eight years old and he began to share how that scarred him and as he grew up you know he had to he had to navigate through that that pain and that memory of someone speaking and embarrassing him in front of everyone there are people today that have shame because of moments of embarrassment Maybe you're sitting here and you can think about that. Times where you were embarrassed. Maybe you were fired. Maybe you were divorced. You know? There are things that people are dealing with. And I have news for you today. Jesus doesn't want you to live with shame. He's removing the shame from your life. I'm going to touch on this perhaps next week, but let me just touch a little bit on it now. There's some people who experience shame not because of things that were done to them, but because... They have self-imposed standards that they're not living up to. And they feel ashamed that they're not where they're supposed to be in life. They have some measurement that I should be here. I should be further along. I should have this. And they go around people and they look at themselves and they look at loved ones and they feel ashamed that they're not married. God wants you to be married if you desire it, but he doesn't want you to be ashamed of being single. You get what I'm saying? God wants you to you know, succeed and desire things, but he doesn't want you to be ashamed if seemingly you're not succeeding. Shame is not a part of the kingdom of God. And so if you are here today and you're judging yourself and you're measuring yourself by other people's standards and you constantly feel like you're just not living to what you should be living up to, Jesus has a word for you today. That is called shame and he doesn't want that a part of your life. He's going to remove it from you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And one of the reasons why Jesus is able to do that, and you'll see this in a little bit, is because Jesus himself dealt with shame. Not just on the cross. I know we talk about just on the cross. But Jesus and his ministry dealt with shame. But there are certain things that didn't stick to him because he didn't regard it the way most people regard it. So, in other words, p- people walked out. I'll give you an example. Let me let me let me let me me share this. I shared this with someone just a couple people yesterday, which is very interesting. Jesus opened the blind eyes. Jesus raised the dead. Think about this for a second. Jesus had five thousand people that he fed in one moment, miraculously walked on water. Jesus had people thronging him heal people of leprosy heal people of all kinds of diseases jesus was a threat to the nation of israel or or, or, or i would say the the, the, the the roman empire because the nation of israel wanted to make him king jesus had all of this success but when he died and resurrected he only had 120 people Think about that. Most people would consider that a failure. How is it that you have thousands following you, healing the blind, walking on water, miracle provision from heaven? You did all of this, raised the dead. And then at the end of your story on earth, only 120. What happened, Jesus? Throughout his ministry, people walked away from Jesus. People who said, Jesus, I'll be with you. Next minute, peace. (laughs) Why am I going through this? Because I want you to understand that Jesus understands shame. He understands rejection. He understands persecution. He understands cursing people cursed at him people lied on him when he was being tried they said hey he said this and he said that and they couldn't even agree on the lie jesus understands the pain that you may feel but there's an answer for you and i want you to know that he is removing the pain he's removing the shame in the name of the lord hebrews chapter 4 look at verse 15 this is very powerful For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. There were high priests before in the Old Testament, and they're human beings. So there's some things they could not relate to concerning you. If You came and you had to, you know, offer a sacrifice and speak of your life. You could imagine a human being like, listen, I I can't really relate to that. Like, and I, I totally sympathize with that. There were high priests like that. But Jesus being our high priest today, it says that we do not have one who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus, the Bible says, was the second Adam, the second Adam. The first Adam, as you know, failed miserably. failed miserably he was told by God you see this tree here don't eat of it matter of fact you can have everything here I know that's some that that, that kind of bothers people sometimes you know because if I say you can have all of this and then I just point to this one just that what goes to your mind well why not that that must be special why? It's because what you cannot have, you tend to value more, which is not, which is a trick of the enemy. You're married, but you don't value your wife because I got her. But you look at that woman that you can't have, oh, there that, that must be something special about that, right? So God says, listen, Adam, Eve. Listen, this, this, this world is yours. You can have it all. But I, I'm going to reserve something for myself. That tree right there, for myself. God, from the very beginning of time, always reserved something for himself. Adam failed miserably. You know the story. He ate, and here we are today. Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesus is called the second Adam. Jesus undid A lot of the damage that Adam caused when Adam sinned the Bible says that he and Eve hid in fear and in shame you know what's interesting about the cross Jesus when he was being crucified was also naked but he didn't hide he was exposed so here you have Adam who's ashamed Who hides here you have Jesus who's put into shame but is exposed what's the significance on the cross Jesus was not only bearing your sin he was not only bearing your disease he was bearing your shame I want you to think about it in graphic terms I sometimes I, I, I want to paint an image because I want you to appreciate what this is about. Jesus was naked. I know when you see a lot of crosses, they'll they'll put you know something around them, and I get it for modesty, but the cross was a gruesome death. I like to use it this way. It was an embarrassing, it was it was it was embarrassing. It wasn't just painful, it was embarrassing. I want you to think about that word. It was an embarrassment. They were literally laughing in his face. I want you to see that. They were literally laughing and mocking him. They literally blindfolded him, punched him, and said, who prophesied to us? Who hit you? Who hit you? Can you imagine that? The creator humbling himself. To this form of shame. The humility of God is something to be studied. That God would allow Himself. This is why some people cannot accept the message, because it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that someone, And I use that word respectfully, but I want you to understand in the human mind, if you don't have the spirit to receive this revelation, it is a ridiculous concept that the creator would subject himself to shame, to scorn, to being laughed at, to being mocked, to being spat on, all of that. And and many of us have never experienced any of that, but we have experienced some form of shame, some form of embarrassment. Some form of humiliation. And the problem can be that you're still living with it. And I hear the voice of the Lord saying, I bore it so that you don't have to be shamed and live with shame and identified by the shame. No. You can be set free from it. I didn't die some death, an embarrassing death for no reason. I did it because I am your sacrifice. I am the one who bore for you. I am the one who took it upon me so that you can break free from that pain and that shame. Hallelujah. This is why it says we don't have a high priest that cannot sympathize. Without weaknesses. He knows what it is to go through things. Not only the shame as I just described. But he also understands what it is to go through temptation. He gets it. Yet without sin. Praise God for that. The next verse. Hebrews 4.16 says. Let us therefore. Somebody say therefore. Let us therefore. All of that I just said. Now you can come boldly. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Grace is the answer for shame. As I said earlier, some people are ashamed, not because of things that have happened to them, but you're living under the prism of, I've got to keep up with the Joneses. Jesus wants to rid you of that. He wants to rid you of that. Some things won't happen. This is is really true. Some things won't happen for you until it becomes less important. Until you stop wrapping your identity in it. Sometimes the things that keep the breakthroughs from happening is is the value we place on it. It's the value we place on it. And God is like, you know what? You are worshiping this. This is too important. You're sad over this. No, 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 no. I want you to live a good life, yes. I want to bless you, yes. I have some great things for you, yes. All of those things are true. But you cannot base your joy, your identity, your pride in these things. The Bible says that God is your glory. He is the lifter of your head. And that's where shame starts to go. Why are you ashamed? Because you didn't finish school? Because maybe all your other siblings finished and you didn't? Why are you ashamed? Because you sit around the table with some of your friends and they seem to be doing great in their career and you don't like where you are right now and so you suddenly kind of keep your mouth closed? How do I know if I'm living with shame? If I ask you certain questions, do you have to play up the facts to keep up with appearances? Do you have to gloss over things and make things sound bigger than what they are? Or can you just be as clear and as frank as what it is and look people straight in their face and say, yeah, this is what I do for a living and I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah, th- this is where I'm at and I'm not ashamed of it. I remember I bumped into someone from school. Uh, this is many years ago, and um, it, w- it made me laugh on the inside. Um, but you know, we haven't seen each other for many years. I was like, "Oh, what's going on? How you doing? We're in the city, kind of just catching up." So you know, the, the proverbial question is, "Hey, what do you do? You know, what's, what, what, what kind of work do you do?" So you know, that came up, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I work, I work um, at, uh, in the mail room, but you know, I'm, I'm a supervisor though. You know, I supervise the thing." And I was like, "Okay, that's cool. You know." And I thought that was interesting because I could see as soon as he said, I work in the mail room, he had to throw in, but but I supervise it. And I was like, wow, I get it. There's a lot of people who feel ashamed for what they do. They don't like how much they make. They don't like the fact that they don't have children yet. They don't like the fact that they are not advancing as quickly as they want to. I want you to understand Satan plays on those emotions and he makes you feel like something is wrong with you what you need to do is say Lord you are my glory you are not this job not this salary not this income not this house not this mate you are my glory hallelujah hallelujah Jesus is your glory. Jesus is your glory. Colossians 1, verses 21 and 22. This is beautiful. I hope you, I'm, I'm going to do my best to paint this picture because I think it's just so beautiful. And this is, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, this is what we were, yet now he has reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. And I don't know why because I, I don't usually, you know, do a lot of word studies, but I just was drawn to this word present. We know what the word present means. You know, you present something, you just, you, you know, you kind of bring it out, right? But for whatever reason, I was drawn to this word and it had a had another meaning to it in the original language. It wasn't just to put something out or to unveil something, like you present someone, but it's really literally to set it near you. To present it means to literally set it next to you. That's the image that God is painting. I'm putting you next to me. You know, you've seen um, some cultures, for instance, um, again, I'm not knocking any culture, but just to give you an illustration, you'll see the man walking, and his wife will be right behind him, a couple of steps. You ever seen that before? Right? Do you realize that God doesn't operate that way with us? He puts us, next to, us ne- next to him. He presents us this way. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ. That's amazing. I want you to see this. That we're presented. That means to be set near. Holy means to be blameless. Someone say, I'm blameless. blameless. What does it mean to be blameless? It means to be morally without blemish, faultless, unblameable. This is how God sees you. This is how he sees you, unblamable, faultless. Now I know that messes with our minds because we can think of faults. We could think of how yeah, I could be blamed for some things. You know, there's some things that are not completely what we want it to be or should be. But do you understand the glory of God that he ends something? He sets the end and then he says, "Now, let's begin." This is what it is. You are a finished product. Blameless, holy, presented, pure. You get saved. He says, listen, this is who you are. Let me show you and walk you through this. Problem is we get caught up right here. Oh, I messed up here, so I'm not that. I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling here, so I'm not that. You know, or, this is wrong with me. I'm not that. But the Bible says that he starts at the end. This is, what he, this is what it is. This is why Paul prayed, may he complete the work that he's begun in you. That work will be completed. This is when he's coming back for a church without spot, without wrinkle. Think about it. Are you part of the church? Well, if Jesus is coming for a church without spot and without wrinkle, and you're part of it, Well, clearly you can't have spot and wrinkle. Because if you have a spot and wrinkle and you're part of the church, well, the church cannot be ever spotless and without wrinkle. So what does it mean to be spotless and without wrinkle? Again, don't get caught up in the things that you're kind of like dealing with and struggling with and trying to figure out. See the whole picture. The whole picture is that in Christ Everything that you could not do on your own and in your own strength has already been done for you. And God is bringing you into the fullness of who Jesus is and he's causing you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and he's causing Christ to be fully formed in you. Hallelujah. This is who you are. And so what we need to do is to appreciate who we are so that when moments of shame try to stain our consciousness, we can reject it and say, no, no, if God is not ashamed of me, I'm not going to put my head down. I'm not going to give man that kind of power over me. I'm not going to look at someone in shame because I don't measure up to their standard. I'm not going to hold my head down because I don't even measure up to my own standard. My standards aren't higher than God's standards. So if God has seen me as pure, unblameable, without spot, without wrinkle, I will see myself the same way. Hallelujah. Mm, that's good stuff right there. Above reproach, unaccused in his sight. Isaiah 61 is a very powerful chapter. This is speaking of the ministry of Jesus. Even Jesus quoted this when he came uh, and began his ministry. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. This is the ministry of Jesus. This is what he wants to do. To free you. Those who are bound. That's what he, that's what he was announcing. If you're bound, I'm here to free you. If you're held captive, I'm here to set you free. Amen. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That means the year of God's salvation. The time period where you can be saved and accepted in God. The time where you can be favored by God. This is that day. I'm here to proclaim that. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. I'm going to go to verse 3. It says to console or to appoint those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes. Ashes, in particular, in the culture of, of, of the Hebrews, what they would do when they were sad and when they were mourning, when they were grieving, they would literally take ashes and dirt and they would put it on their head. This is how they would mourn. They would throw dust on their hair. I mean, some of you, you guys love your hair and you, would, you can't fathom Think about that. You can't. But isn't that like the worst for ladies? Let me talk to the ladies because some of y'all, you know, some of the guys, you, you, don't, you don't care. But that's like one of the worst. That you don't, even, you don't even want water on your hair many times. <laughs> Imagine that dust. You would kind of. It would be like an ornament, not a beautiful ornament, but an ornament, something on top of your head, such as dirt and death and ashes. And Jesus is saying, I want to do something different. I want to remove the death. I want to remove the ashes. I want to remove the shame. I want to remove all of that. And I want to give you something beautiful. That's his ministry to you today. Thank you, Lord. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I'm going to jump to verse 6. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. And today, according to the book of Revelations, we are kings and priests to God. You may not see yourself as that, but you are considered to be a priest. You may not have a collar, but you're a priest. Yeah. You're a priest unto the Lord. And here's a prophetic Symbol of this. It says, it says, but you shall be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and in their glory. You shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to think about what has brought shame to your life. God wants to reverse that and give you double honor. That means not just Remove what happened, but now bring you to a state of honor. In other words, he doesn't just want to balance it out and just even it out. Okay, this happened, let's just kind of make this happen, now you're even, Stephen. No, I want to, I want to give you double. I want to bring you to a place of high honor. That's what Jesus is doing, that's what he's offering you today. I know people who are ashamed because they're divorced. Mm-mm. You don't need to be ashamed of that. There are people who are ashamed because they don't have children. You don't need to be ashamed of that. Oh, this is a touchy one. There are people who are ashamed because they're sick and they have an outward disability, something that kind of mars them or marks them in front of people's eyes they're people who are caring for loved ones who have a disability and they're pain and when they go out places they feel I can't really be myself I can't really you know I, I kind of have to hide Jesus is saying come out from hiding lift up your head I don't look at you the way others look at you and I'm going to restore your honor You don't have to live in shame, not one more day. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the freeing power of your presence remove every form of shame in the name of Jesus. Some of you, you feel the shame of your past. You do. You feel the shame of your past. Jesus is saying, what past? I don't even know what you're talking about. I've placed it in the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west is as far as I've placed your past from you. This is, inc- this is very, very critical, and even, even today as I was preparing myself, I prayed. I said, Lord, make your people receive this because you can hear what I'm saying, sit in that chair, and be like, yeah, 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 wah, 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 okay, okay, okay. Or you could sit there and say, yes, the shame of my past is gone. I will not allow one more second of me dwelling on the past, on the things that have marred me, scarred me, embarrassing moments, moments of rejection, moments of shame, moments of pain. I will not be identified by those things. Not for one more second. Jesus, you took it and I believe it and I'm going to walk in it from this day forward in the name of the Lord. You got to get used to and get in the habit of looking at people In their face, squaring up and speaking who you are without fear, without trepidation, without a feeling of having to make it look nice and to explain something and to put your best foot forward so they won't judge you. If you live in that prism, you're always going to be bound by something. You have to come to the realization, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. Do you know who I am? Why and what business do I have holding shame in my heart? Even if you failed out of school, okay, not a great thing. I'm not saying let's celebrate that you failed. But I'm telling you, don't hold your head down. Didn't turn out the way I wanted to. But Jesus says, Lord. I'm still loved. I'm going to move forward. You know, this marriage didn't work out. You know, I wish it did. It did hurt me. But you know what? Jesus is Lord. He's still on the throne. My future is still bright. I'm loved by God. You know, I'm going through a a tough situation. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm unemployed, you know, and I feel like I'm just constantly in a vulnerable place. Okay, not comfortable. I don't like it. It's not something that I'm happy about, but I'm still prized by heaven, and this too shall pass. I am not going to hold my head down, not for one second in the name of the Lord. Oh, I feel that. Too many of us, we hide in shame. We hide, we hide, we hide. We make excuses. We say, well, it's because of this, because of that. No, no, no. You don't have to make excuses. You don't have to make it look nice. You don't have to make a story up. No. It It is what it is. And I'm still loved by God. Amen. I used to get a kick out of, and I I get why sometimes homeless people do this because sometimes people don't give. Now, you know, sometimes homeless people be running scams, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm Let's be real. We know, like, yo, I saw you like two minutes ago. <laughs> but I remember like over the time they would give you a whole story. Oh, you know, I lost my wallet. Blah, blah, blah. They would go through a whole story, a whole story, a whole story. And um, sometimes... It's very, very legitimate, right? And they're ashamed. So they have to really elaborate on why I'm in this position. Do you realize even when you give to the poor, I stopped them. I don't want to hear a story. It doesn't matter. You're a human being. You're loved by God. Be blessed. You don't need to impress me with a story. And I, I would encourage you with that because wh- what happens that what we're saying is, you yeah, prove proof to me. Yeah, how bad is it? Oh, you want your wallet? Okay. Yeah, yeah, but, but, okay. Okay, 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 I'll give you something. Or, this is what I hate, when people say, oh, you're hungry? Come on, let me, let me, let me buy you food, because I'm not giving you cash. I personally don't think that's right. Because maybe if I'm on if I'm the street and, I'm, hung, and I'm, I'm begging, it doesn't mean I'm hungry every second. <laughs> I could be trying to stack up a little bit because I'm gonna be hungry later. But we're like, no, you're hungry, so I will buy you food. No, no, I am not give you a cat. No, bless them. What if they smoke with it? So they smoked with it. So what? Sometimes we're trying to, you know, make people. No, it doesn't matter. If you have it, bless them. The Lord be good to you. The Lord help you out of this situation. I don't have time to walk to McDonald's with you and make sure you get a Happy Meal. I don't have time for that. But we do that because we want you to earn it. Earn it! Are you really hungry? Or we'll see someone who's homeless and we're like, oh, something's off. Why you got a cell phone? People, it's 2019. You could be homeless and have a cell phone. It's, it don't mean they're scamming you. They, they, they got a phone. How, how are they going to get the call from the job saying you're hired? They need a phone. I'm saying all these stories to tell you don't ever make people feel ashamed when they're asking you for something. Don't ever. I mean, I gave you an extreme example about someone who's homeless, but there are people who will come to you. And yes, they may have messed up. I Oh, oh you're coming to me again? No, 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 no. Now, if you feel like, you know, you just cannot anymore, that's fine too. Don't feel, don't feel ashamed that you can't help them. Don't feel ashamed that you can't help them. But if you can, be a blessing to people Without having them to prove anything to you. That's the way of God. Amen. Amen. I remember the Lord was dealing with me about that. I was stating, pleading my case. I was praying, Lord, Lord, this is what I need. And this, Lord, I, I honored you here and I did this and, and it'll stop me. He, I, I, I literally felt that in my spirit. <laughs> You're rambling. I'm your father. I love you. What do you want? You don't need to play up a whole story for me. As if that, you know, I need to show. And God is like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, keep going, keep going. Oh, Okay, fine, here you go. No, God is generous. He's gracious. That's what he is. And he doesn't upbraid. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally, and he doesn't upbraid. Meaning, he doesn't bring up your past. He doesn't say, oh, you're asking for wisdom from last time I told you what to do, and you didn't do it? Oh, you're going to do it this time? You know how? <laughs> my father, I used to always, man, my father used to always do this. I remember when I was, uh, you know, maybe 11, 12 years old, and I would, um, you know, need money for lunch. And, you know, you don't have any money. You're 11 years old, 12 years old, so... Every morning, Papi, you know, can I have a a couple of dollars? And he would just look at me, sigh. Take five dollars, right? You know, hold it real tight with his hand. Give it to me, slowly. He always say these three words, bring back change. (laughs) Oh man, I used to hate that. Bring back, because I would ask $2, bring back change. <laughs> oh, man. I remember when I first got my car, my, my license. Remember, you used to borrow your parents' car? I know we live in a different time. Now, you, you, we got adults who don't drive. No shame in that. Thank God for Uber, there's no shame in that. But when I was 17, I had to get my license, like, right away. I had my license in high school. So I was like, you know, Dad, can I borrow the car? You know, oh. <laughs> and then he gave me a strict, you know, strict comeback at a certain time. And man, and I didn't realize, but those things they shape how you feel about the lib- the, the, the liberality of God. God is liberal. He's generous. And he doesn't put you to shame. And he's healing you of shame right now. Come on, do you receive that? You're going to receive double honor. I love this. It says, and instead of confusion. This is what shame does. It brings confusion. Why? It says, they shall rejoice in their... They shall rejoice in what? Why are people sometimes ashamed? It's because they don't know where their portion is and they don't celebrate it. They're ashamed because they're not where someone else is. They're ashamed because they don't have what someone else has. Their testimony doesn't sound like someone else's testimony, right? You know, this person seems to be more anointed in this area, how come I'm not? This person seems to be doing greater things in ministry, how come I'm not? This person seems to be advancing in their career. How come I'm not? And what does that do? That creates an environment of confusion. Because instead of rejoicing in your portion, you're concerned about someone else's. This is what shame does. It puts you in a place of comparison and competitiveness. But God is like, no, I'm, I'm doing away with that. No more comparing yourself to your siblings, to your friends, to your parents' expectations. No more of that. You're going to rejoice in your portion in Jesus' name. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Looking at verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. This all comes with salvation. This whole chapter 61 Isaiah 61 is really about God restoring the honor of Israel and restoring those who are in covenant with God. And it's all by way of the me- it's all by the means of salvation through Christ. Salvation through Christ restores your honor. Restores It it brings you out of shame. And you'll see, if you ever want to do a study on this, salvation and garments are often hand in hand. There's something about garments, putting on certain clothes that bring dignity to you. Do you realize you are dignified because you are clothed with salvation? I'm saved. Why should I have my head down? Think about that. I'm born again. Why should I have my head down? I'm on my way to eternal glory. Why should I have my head down? Come on, I'm loved by all of heaven. Why should I have my head down? I'm clothed with the garments of salvation. Hallelujah. And I didn't have to work for it. I don't have to work to maintain it. I just have to receive it by grace. Oh, I'm going to keep my head up in the name of the Lord. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. This is what Jesus is doing for you right now. And as we take communion, which we'll do in just a couple of minutes, I want you to take communion with this fresh understanding that his blood, his blood, Not only forgives us of our sin, but as a result of that, shame has no place in your life. Shame has no place in your life. I'm going to just pause here for a minute. Think about what you're ashamed of. Think about it. I want you to really think about it. And we're going to commit those things into the hands of God. Think about it. What are you ashamed of if you are? You're going to release that to heaven. Lord, you've paid an awesome price. I'm not going to live with this shame anymore. Hallelujah. Is there any shame that you're dealing with? I hear the voice of the Lord saying, I've taken it away. I've taken it away. I've taken it away. I've taken it away. Don't hold on to it. Don't fight to keep it. Don't identify with it. Identify with the shame that I've taken for you. Thank you, Lord. If you need a communion element, ushers, please um, just raise your hand. If you need one, uh, raise your hand. We're going to serve you with communion. We're going we're to take communion with this understanding that we are free from shame, I'll take one myself. Thank you, Jesus. You know, communion is something you can do at home. And I would encourage you, if you battle with shame, do this at home. It's a symbol. Obviously, this is not his actual body. This is not his actual blood. But Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance. So why do you want to remember that he died for you? Obviously, it must be a significant There must have been a significance behind his death. I mean, why do you want to constantly be reminded of that if nothing changed? Something must have changed. Something must have changed. Why would he say, do this in remembrance of me, especially since he's alive? Why do I have to remember that you died if you're actually alive? Well, something unique took place at the point of his death. That's why he wants you to remember it. He doesn't want just to remember the fact that he died. He wants you to remember what it all means. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Something new has happened. Something, something changed. Something changed as a result of my death. Because if nothing changed, then why go through all it? Something is different. You once had to have your head down. This is the thing that's different. You no longer have to have your head down. You once was without a God in this world, without hope in this world. This is new. You now have hope. You now have a God in this world. You once had no hope. You have hope. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this, do this, do this in remembrance of me so that you can enjoy... All the benefits I've come to give. And one of those benefits is no more shame. I declare you're shameless today in the name of Jesus. You're shameless today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you've been abused, i break that spirit that wants to remind you of that pain. And tell you it's your fault and this is why it happened to you and something's wrong with you. That's a lie from the enemy and I break that hold off of your mind. You're shameless today. Amen. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he ripped it and he passed it. Let's break this wafer which represents the body of Christ. He says, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This is my body, which is broken for you. His body was broken for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for sending your son. A body you've prepared for us, Lord God, that we may be reconciled, that we, we, Lord God, may be united in the death of of Jesus Christ. Thank you. And we take this communion right now and we declare that Jesus died. He indeed died. Yes, he did. Oh, while the world wants to tell us, no, that didn't happen. No, he kind of like escaped death. No, no, no. Lord, we believe that someone named Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, took our place on the cross and died for our sins. And we rejoice in that in the name of Jesus. Let us commune. This is the new covenant. This juice here represents the New Testament. As I indicated even on Tuesday, a testament, a will and testament is a legal term. Maybe you've seen one. Maybe you've written one before. Right? It's, it's your last will and testament. And what happens when you write a will and a testament? You're saying, this is what I will. This is what I want. This is what I want to be left over to so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. My will is that my son will have this. My will is that my daughter will have this. This is my will. Well, Jesus said, this is, (laughs) glory to God, my will. That you will no longer have to bear the shame of your past. You will no longer have to deal with just feeling ugly and rejected. No. My will is that you be free from that. And I'm going to bear that shame. And the power of shame is no longer going to have a grip over you. Is no longer going to be a deciding factor in how you move about. You're not going to be socially awkward anymore. You're not going to be afraid of people's judgments. You're not going to be afraid of people's rejection. No, you're going to be settled and comfortable with who you are because there is no place of shame that has a right to you in Jesus' name. No, you're shameless today. You're shameless today. You know, when you're shameless, it really deals with the social awkwardness. People are socially awkward today, and, re- and really, it's because they're concerned that they're being judged. They're concerned that people don't like them. They're concerned that they don't fit in. They're concerned that something's wrong with them. They're concerned that they're going to be hurt. That is all part of the work of the enemy. That's not of God. No, you're going to be comfortable. You're going to be comfortable in your environment because you're shameless today because of the blood of Jesus. Oh, when people reject you because they will. Oh, yes, it will happen. Let's be clear about that. Rejection will be a part of the human experience. But here's the difference. Here's the difference. It will no longer have the power that it once had in your life. Because you're going to be settled with who you are in Christ. So when people walk away from you, when people dismiss you, when people fail to see your value, your head will still be up knowing that heaven still this concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.